You're listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. We started at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, and we began to read a story of a family. We read a story of a family that started off picture perfect with God and his kids. And we, we went through the story of how sin came into the picture and messed everything up and how there's been this lingering curse that has been continuing to just destroy things ever since. Over the last couple of weeks, we talked about God's plan. We talked about how God had this plan since the beginning of time to bring us back together again with our Father. For us to come back to that place to where we had a relationship with Him and had that connection and had that intimacy restored that had been taken away from us. That missing element that each one of us has felt in our lives at different times. We've called it all kinds of different things. Sometimes we've misidentified it. Sometimes we've thought that it was just maybe our desire to pursue a career or a relationship, or whatever it is. And those desires that are deep inside of our hearts, they take us to the ends of the earth, don't they? For us to try to scratch that itch that all of us have. And we have found out through reading the Bible that that itch that each one of us has, that insatiable thing inside of each one of us, you know, that, that unknown thing that just makes you just think there's got to be something else. There's got to be something more that I'm missing. We found out that that thing inside of each one of us was actually a desire to know our Father in heaven. Because every one of us is missing the words that only he can speak to us. Every one of us longs to know what God thinks about us when we come down to it. Some of us are scared to death of the idea of having a conversation with God. It freaks us out. I mean, we're just like, are you kidding me? Talk to God? Me? No way. You talk to God, tell me what God says, and that's good enough for me. Some of us are afraid to get close to God. And actually, for us to even come into a place like this, an environment like this, where we're singing songs to a God that we can't see, we're saying words from our heart to a God that we can't really even hear. For some of us, we're very uncomfortable with the whole thing. And you know what's cool about that? Is that God doesn't care that you're uncomfortable with that. He meets us right where we're at. And that's the beautiful story of God. He comes to us. He doesn't make us come to him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God is chasing us down. He wants a relationship with us so bad that he is running after us. And he wants that relationship so bad that the Bible says that he even came to us. Jesus, God, made man, came to us. And when he came to us, the Bible says that he came with a purpose. He came with a really specific reason on his heart. And that reason was because he wanted us to have a relationship with him again. He brought us back together with God through his death on the cross. Now, some of us don't believe that. Some of us don't accept that. Some of us think that it's a fairy tale. Or some of us think that it's a myth. Or some of us even think that it's just not what we think it is. 
I'm not really too concerned about the details of the story. All I can tell you is that God came for me. And one day he spoke my name and he said, Jason, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I opened up my heart to him and I've been wrecked ever since. Because I thought I had everything figured out in this world. I thought I had everything dialed. I thought I knew how this all worked. And come to find out I didn't have a clue. So tonight as we come to God's word, we come to it humbly. But we come to it with joy. Because when God speaks to us, it's an amazing, amazing thing. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, I want to read you a scripture. And we're going to put the words up on the screen behind you so you can read them with me. But I want you to think about these words that we're about to read together because they're really, really heavy. And yet they're really, really special. It says, once you were dead, you were doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world. You were full of sin. You were obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. You know, we were born with an evil nature. We were all under God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's special favor or grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. Look at this. And so God can always point to us as examples of the incredible wealth of his favor and kindness toward us, as shown in all that he has done for us through Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace or special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us brand new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Did you check that out when it said that God points to us? See, a lot of times in this world, we look around and we want a sign that God is good, right? We want a sign because there's enough bad going on, right? We know there's enough bad going on in the world. We don't need any proof that there's bad. We want to know that God is good. We want to know that God is real. We want to know that God is just. And you know what God says is the, the main way that he demonstrates his goodness. He points to us. He points to me. He points to somebody whose life was a wreck, who was hopeless, who was helpless, who couldn't do anything without God. He points to me. Now, that's an amazing thought because when I see me, I don't see very much. When I see me, I think of all the things that I've done wrong. When I see me, I don't see a masterpiece. I see a mess. I don't know about you, but I see a mess when I see me. 
And yet God says he points at us. How many of you guys have ever been in a relationship with somebody that had a lot of insecurity in it? It's a mess, huh? It's not a fun relationship to be a part of. There's fear. There's destructive tendencies. There's accusation. There's jealousy. All kinds of stuff happens when insecurity and fear are in a relationship. As a matter of fact, it ruins relationships. Do you realize that God does not want us to have any insecurities in our relationship with him? He wants us to be able to be confident. He wants us to be able to understand who we are and who he says that we are. He doesn't want us to to hide from him or to shrink back in shame or in fear. God wants us to be able to get close to him and to not be afraid of what he thinks. Now, how can that be when you and I know what we're made of? How can that be when you and I know the things that we do? How can that be that God can accept me the way that I am when I know what I just did two hours ago or two days ago or whatever? Am I the only one here that thinks this stuff? Are you guys with me tonight? Yeah. So we've got a problem, right? God says, I want to be close to you. And I say, okay, I want to get close to you. But God, I'm scared because I'm embarrassed of me. You guys, if you've been here for the last several weeks, you've seen these canvases up here. You've seen all the words that are so beautifully put in display. I want you to look at a word that's right here on the side of it. This word right here says justification. You guys see it? Justification. It's kind of an old English word. And I want you to look over here at another one. Somewhere around here. Yeah, it's right here. If you can see it, it says righteousness. You guys see it? Righteousness. Justification and righteousness. I want for us to understand a few things about our relationship with God tonight in a deeper way. Because we need answers to the questions that we have. And they're found in the Bible. In Romans chapter 3, we're given some clues as to how God makes this relationship work. In verse 22, check this out. It says, we are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in this same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. For all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sins. God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. This word justification that we see right here, it's kind of an old word that is in the Bible in a lot of different places. And this word justification is absolutely at the core of the answer to the questions that we have with God. You see, justification is a word that means not guilty. 
Think about that. If I were to ask you guys, how many of you have ever done something and gotten away with it? Come on, be honest. The very first day I got my driver's license. Some of you know this story. The very first day. I mean, the first trip, solo, going to the grocery store for my mom. She says, Jason, I want you to go. You got your license now. Go get me a loaf of bread. So I grab my younger brother, Jared. At the time, seatbelts weren't the law, so he's playing on the floorboard of the front seat of the station wagon. Yeah, we pimped the station wagon. Thank you. And I'm driving half a block from my house in the mobile home park that we were lived in. Yeah, we lived in a mobile home park. And I hit the first speed bump. And I do what a 16-year-old who just got his license does. I bend down to turn up the radio. Right? Because you got to have tunes. And so as I bend down to turn up the radio, I feel this vibration coming from the rear quarter panel of the hoopty. I scraped my neighbor's car. Now I had two choices there because my little baby brother's on the floorboard of the car and he looks up at me like, what's going on? What, what just happened? And as he starts to climb up on the seat to want to take a look, I shove his head back down and I say, nothing, nothing, nothing. Just stay down there. And then I did what any of you would have done. I took off. True story. It gets worse. So the next day, I, I, I come back from the store and park the car. I get out and I look at it. And wouldn't you know it, there's just this tiny little bit of paint on our car. No damage whatsoever to my car, my, my dad's car. The neighbor's car, on the other hand, just hammered this poor little Pinto. Dave, you're going to have to turn the video off for this next part because I don't want anything being able to be duplicated on the internet for this. No, I'm just kidding. My dad comes to me the next day. He's furious. What happened to the car? Look at you. you, There's paint on the car. Did you hit something? Dad, I was at the grocery store and I accidentally just backed into this little, you know, recycling container and I got a little, little scratch on it, Dad. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Just don't let it happen again. But I had a problem. See, that night, the Pinto, yeah, needed a little work done, right? Because I didn't want them seeing the scratch on the side of it, so we had to take some spray paint to it that night. I'm only 16, right? I mean, this is how you think when you're 16. You're, you make a bad decision, you lie about it, and then you got to get out of it. Well, I am happy to say I never got caught to this day. Now, I do know that there was an old lady that saw me messing with the Pinto one night because her granddaughter used to babysit us, and she came out one night, and she's like, hey, what were that boy doing down there messing with the Pinto? And She just said, oh, Grandma, don't worry about that. That was the closest I got to getting caught that night, but I got away with it. 
but I am so guilty. I know that story is kind of funny. And I know that sometimes we tell stories like that. And some of you probably could tell some really, really good stories that would make mine look just silly. But the fact of the matter is that all of us are guilty of something. All of us. That word justification there, when you understand the depth of it, what it really means, it means that Jesus, who was not guilty of anything, he was innocent of all the things that you and I do, he came and he took our guilt. He took all of it and he said, I'll take it all and I will in its place give you my righteousness. In other words, he says, you have screwed everything up in your life and you are so guilty that you deserve to be judged. But because of what I'm going to do, I am going to justify you and I am going to trade places with you and I am actually going to give you credit for something that you never did. Anybody ever got credit for something that they didn't deserve? It's the flip side of that. You've done something wrong, you didn't get caught for it, or maybe you did get caught for it, but you get credit for something that you don't deserve. It's amazing. You see, our problem is that you and I come to God, and we know what we're made of. We know the things that we do, and it makes us insecure when we come to God. I remember growing up as a boy, and I was fortunate to be raised in a home where my parents took me to church, taught me about Jesus. But I remember when I got into high school and I began to do the things that I wanted to do and I started to party and I started to rebel and I started to experience life a little bit. I remember that when it came to be Sunday morning and I knew that I had to go to church, all I could think of was how can I get out of it? Because I don't want to go to God today. Because I know what I just did last night. I don't, want to, I, don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. I was afraid. I was insecure. It made me not comfortable to be close to God. Because I was aware of my sin and my humanity. God doesn't want that. God wants us to come to him in confidence. God wants us to come to him with boldness. Not because I deserve it. I don't deserve anything. I deserve to be judged. All of us in here are in the same boat. We all deserve to be judged. But God, by his graciousness, said, I will trade places with you. And I will make you right with God. What he said is everything that is wrong about Jason and everything that is right about God, I will swap them. And now everything that is right about God is right about Jason. Can you imagine that? For me to be able to find such comfort and confidence, not because I am perfect, but because I have wrapped myself with God. And I find myself in him and his rightness, his righteousness, his perfection. I get to wear it like a warm winter's coat on a cold day. I surround myself with God. 
So when I come to God, I don't come thinking of all the things that make me want to stay away. Because I have been justified. I've been justified by what Jesus did on the cross, and I am not guilty. If you have opened your heart up to Jesus, if you have said to God, come inside of me, I want to have a relationship with you, and you have felt that change in your heart, I want you to say something with me right now. Just say it quietly, just yourself. Just say, I am not guilty. Say it. Say, I am not guilty. Say it. I am not guilty. I've been given God's righteousness. He has credited it to me. He has given it to me. And when God sees Jason... He doesn't see anything but pureness. He doesn't see anything but rightness. And you know what that does for my relationship with him? In Hebrews 4, it says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, because there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. We will receive mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it. Does anybody here tonight need God? Does anybody here need Jesus? What do you need from Jesus tonight? Some of us here, you hear me talking and you're just like, dude, everything you're saying... I don't get it. I have no relationship with God. I don't even know if there is a God. Then what you need is you need to be real with God. And you need to say, God, I don't get it. If you're real, show me that you're real. If you'll be real with God, he'll be real with you. Others of you here tonight, you're in a place where you're questioning all of the circumstances in your life, and you're just saying, God, I don't get what's happening in my life. You need direction. You need to hear God's voice talk to you. Some of you here tonight, you're in a place where you've hardened your heart to God, and you've said, God, you know what? I don't want to walk with you. I don't want to live for you. I want to do things my own way. I want to live for myself. And you need to let God soften your heart. You need to let him come inside of you and begin to soften your heart. Some of us here tonight need Jesus to just give us a hug because our hearts are broken and we're going through a hard time. No matter where you are tonight, God wants to meet you. I'm going to have the band come on back up here. We're going to sing a few more songs together. And we're going to take communion this is what we do every week because I believe that for me to get to know God I've got to spend time with God I've got to give myself time to be with him 
And so every week, every Saturday night, we take moments out of our time and we take this bread. Jesus said when he died that this bread, though it's just bread, represents the body of Jesus when he died for us. And we take it and we dip it in this juice. And this juice represents the blood that was shed by Jesus. And we come to him with this bread and with this juice, and we say, thank you. We say, I remember what you did. I will not forget your death. I will not forget what you have done. And we, tend, we send to God a sign, a symbol of our open hearts to him. And we spend moments with him. See, I am convinced that what you need more than anything is not to hear me talk. What you need more than anything is to be with God, just you and him. You and him. And as you open your heart up to him, he will talk to you. He will speak to you. He will reveal himself to you. He will meet every need that you have. Some of you here tonight have never done this before. And you don't want to. And that's okay. You don't have to. But if you're here tonight and you've never opened your heart up to God. And you want to tonight. You can. It's as simple as saying yes to Jesus. It's as simple as saying from your heart. God, I want you. I need you. Come into my life. And so as the band begins to play. I'm going to invite you to come and take communion. I'm going to invite you to take the bread and take the juice. And then I'm going to invite you to spend some moments with God. Some of you will want to kneel along the front here on these steps. Some of you will want to go back to your chairs. Some of you will want to just find a quiet place. The point is to spend some time with God. And if you're here tonight and you need somebody to pray with you, if you need somebody to love you, if you need somebody to talk to, don't leave. This place is full of people that want to do just that for you. They want to give you some time. So let's come to the table. Let's spend some moments with God. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.